Well, good morning. We are glad you're here. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you are joining us as well. And hope you've had a good week. School is back in session, sort of, right? Uh, I think our students must be in the other room, but uh, it's a weird week, isn't it? Uh, lots of good things are happening, things are good happening in our church. We're excited. Um, the Hafees are here with us with a, a brand new friend, and uh, so we're glad that they are here, and um, we are thankful for their ministry to families and our community. We're also thankful for our guests that are with us and are looking for a place to be with other believers in the room. Uh, and we know that for those that are just not quite ready, we're looking forward to the time when we can all be back in the room together. We can uh, enjoy just our, our presence and we can encourage one another and we can just remember the good friendships um, that we have. Uh, we do that somewhat online. It's just not the same as doing it in person. So we look forward to when that time can come. I'm hoping when it cools off, maybe we'll do some outdoor stuff and uh, we'll be able to see some other friends um, that we haven't seen for a while. Uh, last week we started talking um, about trust. And so this week I want to kind of continue that. I told you uh, throughout this series of Jesus is Essential, we have to come to a place where we have a baseline foundation of how we structure our understanding of the world, what our beliefs are about the world, our worldview. Um, we have to have some kind of baseline in which we set and stand on. If we don't, uh, then we just kind of go back and forth, and we're not sure what we're supposed to believe or who we're supposed to believe. And we believe, and what we have been pushing towards for the last few weeks is that Jesus is absolutely essential. Nothing in life makes sense if Jesus is not a part of that equation. Now, we've looked at that over the last few months, um, back when we talked about Genesis. We looked at a lot of what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, in which what we see in the way that we interact with one another, in the way that we interact with God, and just knowing that there is a Savior that we can have a relationship with, Jesus is essential. Jesus talked about this in, in the sense of uh, there is a treasure buried in a field. And the wise person goes and sells everything that they have so that they can buy this field and have this treasure or the pearl of great price. There is one thing that is of the greatest value of all the world, and what we believe is that is Jesus. But we also believe that what Jesus is saying to us is not just, I want you to know that I'm real, but he's saying there is a way, whenever I'm essential, there is a way in which you will live. And if you go through and you read throughout the Old and New Testament, the language around the way is, it is throughout the entire Bible. So we've been talking about that for the last few weeks. Last week, I wanted us to go to the Old Testament, and we looked at this incredible story of the deliverance out of Egypt, and as the Hebrew slaves leave Egypt, and God has delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh, 12 days later, he issues them right up to the border of the Promised Land and says, now, Go in and take it. I have scoped it out. I have checked it out. It is good to go. Go and take it. And their response was, let's send some of our own people in. And let's go check it out ourselves. And so they send the spies in. It's what we sometimes call the spy narrative. They send the spies in and they say, oh, the land is beautiful. I mean, the grapes, it takes it takes two people the ability, it takes two people to carry one bushel of grapes. It is so prosperous and the fruit is so luscious. It is just a perfect place. However, there are tall cities and there are tall people and they will crush us surely. We cannot go. And Moses says, oh, but we should trust and we should go. Oh, no, we cannot go. And God says, then you will not go. 
You didn't trust me when I said I went before you, and I was going ahead before you. You didn't trust me, and so so we're not going to go. None of you, except for a handful that believed, are actually ever going to enter into the promised land. And their response was how we would probably respond in a moment like that, and that is, oh, wait, 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 God. We're going to go on. Come on, let's go. We're ready now. Let's go. And he says, no, the time has passed. The problem that we began to discuss last week about uh, Jesus being essential within our lives is that in every area of our lives, trust is the cornerstone in which relationships are built. You have to be able to trust someone to be able to develop a deep, lasting, committed relationship with someone. That includes a good friend. That includes a spouse. That includes a relationship with Christ. There is a level of trust that is that must be there, but yet that is our great struggle. It is our great struggle to trust people. I, I don't have to really convince you of that because all you have to do is turn on the news and you know I trust them, I don't trust them. And everyone else is saying the same thing. How we handle the pandemic, saying, I trust them, I don't trust them. Trust is so foundational for our ability to function within life and in the world of having relationships in which I trust you. And ultimately, in a relationship with God, do I trust God? Do I trust what he says is true? Do I trust when he says go that I should go? Do I trust when he says I am going to prepare a place for you that he is actually going to prepare a place for us? Do we trust that? Do we trust the narrative of Scripture in which Jesus turned water into wine? Do we trust that? Do we trust the narrative of Scripture in which uh, Jesus heals a man by just spitting on some dirt, rubbing it together and placing it on his eyes, and, and a blind man can see. Do we trust the narrative? And so when we come down to that level of trust and we come down to the reality that God says there is a way, and the early believers in, the, in Scripture were followers of the way, what does that way look like? I think one of the most crucial things that we can understand as believers is simply this, that God is good, God is trustworthy, God loves you, and God wants to be involved in your life. He wants to be. Trust is crucial relationships. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I wonder how many of us this week had a moment You just sat for a moment and just were overwhelmed with the thought, the Lord is good. Have you had that thought this week? Just a moment where everything quieted, everything that you had to do, all the bad news that you hear, all the frustrations, all of the fears, just for a moment stopped. And for a moment you could just say, the Lord is good. There are moments I have to remind myself if I get caught up in uh, things that are happening, if I get discouraged over what's happening in the world, or as we're entering into another election season, I'm not looking forward to what's going to happen between people through this election season. I'm, I'm not looking forward to it, and there are times I can just get so focused on all the things that I'm not excited about that I can forget all the good things God is doing. Do we have a moment in which we stop and we just say, I trust you, you are good. Because I'm telling you, everything else I'm going to say today hinges on that ability to believe that the Lord is good. That He loves you. 
that he is trustworthy. I, I, I said last week we were going to spend last week and this week looking at some passages from the Old Testament because I wanted you to see kind of a consistency uh, of God's working among us and calling us to this way throughout Scripture where some people say, yeah, I just kind of read the New Testament. But God has been consistent throughout both the Old and the New this week we're going to look at Isaiah 30, and then we're going to jump around in a couple of other places just uh, to continue to deepen this conversation. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Oh, I wish that were the testimony of the church for the last few decades when so many times people have left a church feeling like they have been judged, feeling like we are better than them. The Lord waits to be gracious to to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him, for people shall dwell in Zion and Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. But your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears ears shall hear a word behind you saying, When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, then you will defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images. You will scatter them as unclean things. You will say to them, Be gone. In other words, God just so desires to be gracious, to show his love and his mercy to us. He stands behind us telling us, this is the way you should go. And this is important. This is an important part of Jesus being essential because within our culture, we are so independent. One of the things I've really enjoyed coming out of our conversation on race a few weeks ago was this really a great realization that uh, based on different cultures, our ability to make decisions collectively versus individually is very different. When I, t- when I talk to my African-American friends, they talk about the collective nature of how they feel each other's pain. And I think about how do white people feel each other's pain, and I think I'm not, I'm not real sure we do at times. We kind of feel our pain. We kind of orchestrate our lives. We're very individualistic. Our pursuit of happiness is very individualistic, sometimes spreading out to our immediate families, but does it spread out to our neighbors, people around the world? Do we think about how we try to lift families? Do we think about our family? Do we think about all other families? This this idea of kind of collectivist thinking, it's, it is... It is not just science fiction, but instead, what Jesus says is, I'm going to go, and and as I go, there's a helper that's coming, and that helper is going to do all kinds of things within your life. It's going to show you all kinds of things about the world, and we see this consistent teaching while we experience it through the Holy Spirit, that there is a voice that is saying, this is the way, go in it. Where Jesus is not just drawing us towards heaven, but he's drawing us along a path, a way in this world right now. We find from this that there is a way, just as we have from many other scriptures. And we find this uh, throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament. Proverbs 12.26 says, One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. 
Proverbs 12, 28 says, In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Those are so important. Those passages are so important, especially the, the wide and the narrow gate, because we are in a nation in which we believe if something is good, it will be easy. And you know what Jesus says is that the narrow path to life, it, it can be hard. We don't want to talk about it being hard because we've got enough hard things in our lives. We want to feel better. There's a way, but that way is still the way to life. There is a way, but one of the greatest questions that we all are going to struggle with or that we probably all ask at one point or another beyond is God real is this, does God still speak? Does God speak to me? And if he does, what does he say? I'm a firm believer that as you follow Christ, Christ will speak to you. I'm also a firm believer that that phrase is misused by a lot of people, especially preachers. Because when I say this is what Jesus has said to me now, I need you to bend the knee to what Jesus has said to me, then that is spiritual abuse. But if you live your entire life never hearing from God, how can you maintain your hope and your faith? And yet I know very few, if anyone, that would say, I regularly hear from God in the way that we sometimes want to. The writing on the wall like we read about in the Old Testament or, or Paul's walking uh, down the road and Jesus appears to him in a vision. You know, we would love to have those things. Peter is uh, dreaming in this great dream of a, a picnic blanket, comes down with all these foods, and he gives them an instruction about how he's to move forward in these next few days, just in this vision. We, we, we want to hear God from those ways, and I absolutely believe Jesus still speaks to people in those ways. But anyone who's honest will say that happens very infrequently. How do we hear from God? How do we hear this whisper when you're going to your left or to your right? How do we hear, what does he want me to do? Where does he want me to go? What does he want to say to me? To believe God wants to speak to you, you have to believe God cares about your life. This is, this is another problem we've done in the church is we've elevated the pastor to this place that Jesus and none of the disciples ever elevated them to. And, and it is the spiritual director of everybody. They were a shepherd, a guide, a teacher. They were never meant to hold that position. That's why so many fall. They can't hold that position. Instead, he wanted each of us to be so engaged with what the Holy Spirit was doing within their lives that you didn't have to have a professional Christian to help you along the way. You were hearing from God yourself. But you have to believe that God wants to speak to you. You have to believe God cares about your life, just not about somebody else's life, even about the world. We can say God loves the world, but do you believe that God cares about your life? The things that you do today, tomorrow, the next day, does he have a vested interest in what your life looks like and what you're doing in your career and how you're spending time with your family and what you do with your finances? Does God have a vested interest in that? And I will say, if you do not believe God really cares about you or your life, you will not 
ever believe that God will speak to you. Or that he may be speaking to you right now. You have to believe God cares what you do or don't do. You have to believe that. If you don't believe God really cares how you live your life, you will not assume he's ever going to intervene in that life. And you have to believe that God wants you to work for the things that are important to him, not just the things that are important to you, which is very easy to live in that way. God, this is important to me. Can you just please show up and make this thing happen? But what if that's not important to him? We have to believe that God wants us to work towards the things that are important to him. I believe some of the reasons that God speaks to us is just to tell us he is real. He speaks to us to tell us that he loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. The Holy Spirit, one of its roles is to just be that tiny, quiet ear that in Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll be with you. That's part of the role of the Holy Spirit is he, he speaks, he whispers, he draws us. He says, yes, this is real. Yes, you need a Savior. Yes, forgiveness is possible. Yes, eternity is at your fingertips. Those are all roles of the Holy Spirit. Tell us he loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us to invite us to repent and follow his way because the gifts of Jesus are not just the gifts of heaven. It is the gift of knowing Jesus and walking his way in this earth. It could be possible that you could be hoping for a heaven and be missing the things that he wants to do right now within your life if you don't believe he wants to say something to you. He wants to lead us to this place of relationship with him, but he also wants to encourage us, to help us along the way. I love what Isaiah says. He longs to be gracious to you. And so many times we fear that if he's going to say something to us, it's going to be to chastise us, isn't it? He's going to tell me bad things I've done. And sometimes he probably will. But if we've come to the place where we believe the only time God speaks is to tell us how much we failed, we miss the true character of God and that he loves us. He is merciful and he is gracious and he is drawing us to a better place, not just punishing us if we don't live out the life he knew we couldn't anyways. You have to believe that God cares what you do or don't do. You have to believe that he wants you to work for the things that are important to him. There are three primary ways that I want to share with you today that I think we hear from God. This conversation cannot be handled in one sermon. Or can this idea be accepted in just a few minutes if you haven't already accepted it? But if you're beginning, these three things will become crucial as you begin to seek to hear the voice of God, and which Scripture says is a quiet, still voice. Three primary ways, ways we hear from God are through His Word, through the Holy Spirit, and through other believers. When we talk about God's Word, I, I, I begin with that because so many times we want to hear something outside of Scripture from God, don't we? If He would just whisper in my ear, I've got this big decision to make. If He would just tell me what I'm supposed to do in this decision, I've got this huge problem and I feel lost and and I don't know what to do. If you'll just tell me how, what I'm supposed to do with this problem. That's what we want God to do, to speak to us. But what if that's not the primary way he chooses to speak to us? It's, well, it's not the only way. It's an important way. It's through his word. We read 2 Timothy 3. In the first few verses of 2 Timothy 3, Paul is basically saying this. He's saying life is going to be difficult in the last days. Uh, check. 
<laughs> He's saying people will love themselves and act badly and selfishly. Check. <laughs> Not the world that we're living in. He says people are going to deny the power of God and lead people astray like God is not real. Check. He says there are literally going to be people that are going to oppose the truth and yet they will claim to be godly. Check. But then he goes on because he's got a purpose for warning him and preparing him and he says this. He says, to you, however, in verse 10, you have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which reminds us again that narrow way is often difficult. It's often difficult. Now, we don't embrace the difficult because it's difficult. I don't. I, you may. I don't. I like the easy way. Does anybody else like the easy way? Like, I like the easy way. I, I'm so thankful for the microwave. I would, I, I would only eat cereal if I, you know, if, if, if I had to cook all my food and didn't have a microwave, right? I love it. It's already pre-made. I pop it in. I puncture the plastic with a fork, and it heats up, and it's ready to go. I love things to be easy. And I wish I could make my life that way in every way. But it's not. And Paul's demonstrating this. Listen, the, the path of following Jesus is not always easy, but it is always glorious. And along those difficult paths, we do taste and see that the Lord is good. Verse 12, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Thanks, Paul. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived... Again, feels very much like the world we live in. But Verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God, Profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, the training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, I, I do want to just point out here that what Paul is talking about is the Old Testament. The New Testament has not yet been written. We kind of grandfather in, I don't know if you can, or grandson in, I don't know how that would work, the, the New Testament with the Old Testament, but he's literally saying the teachings of the Old Testament are good. They're in the process of writing the New Testament. And there are some scriptures that are in your Bible that are, are that are not in your Bible that other people find as sacred as well, but they haven't passed the same test that the ones that are in the Bible that you buy off a shelf are. The scripture is good for teaching, for reproof, for correction. It's good for figuring out the way, he says. Not only that, it equips you for every good work. And he goes on in, in chapter 4, verse 1, to say, I charge in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, re rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For that time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. 
As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. In other words, people aren't going to want to listen to this stuff, which by default and by the nature that God speaks to us through his word means people aren't going to want to listen to God. This is the world we live in. And there are so many times that we, we kind of embrace and take on the teachings of the world rather than just say, hey, this is what God wants to do. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's invested in our lives. He's invested in what we do. He's invested in the, thing, the places that we go, whether to our left or to our right. He cares about you and those decisions, each one. And he's drawing us to a way. I will tell you, I have found within my own life, I rarely hear from God if I'm not hearing from his word. It's not that his word is the only way in which God speaks. However, it is the gateway in which all other knowledge or wisdom comes from God. If we don't know his word, how can we know if a thought that comes into our head, because I'll be honest, I have never had a moment where God speaks to me and I hear it like I hear someone else talking to me. Never had it happen to me. Others say they've had it happen to them. I've never had it happen to me. It doesn't bother me in the least. But there are times, and maybe you've had this moment, where it's just like everything just stops for a moment. It's like someone has just whispered in your ear. And all of a sudden, just all this scripture comes to mind, just backing up the very words that are being said. And it is an important moment. And in that moment, you know God has just said something to you. Those are beautiful moments. It's one of the reasons I have faith is because I believe that he does that within my life, not on a daily basis. Because these things are, are critical moments within your life when they happen. It's, it's like Moses when he goes up onto the mountain and God passes by. He can't even look at him and he glows for days. When you have a moment that you know God has spoken, it's, it's an important moment for you. Sometimes it is a life-changing moment. Sometimes it is a life-affirming moment. Sometimes it is just God saying, I love you. But you know he's saying that, and you know he does. Those are beautiful moments, but it is important for us to remember God speaks first and foremost through his word. A few years ago, they said Chattanooga was the most biblically-minded city in the country. I think at the same time, we were having about a, a homicide per night in Chattanooga. This was, I don't know, five years ago maybe. Are we the most biblically-minded city in the country? Are we? Like, do we? Do we love God's Word? Do we look forward to reading God's Word? When we're struggling, do we, do we say, oh, i got to figure this out. Oh, God, help me figure this out. Do we go to His Word? If you want God to speak to you, I want you to know He does speak. But it begins with His Word. It's important to remember when you read God's Word and, and this idea of God saying something, God will never contradict himself. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God will never say something to you outside of Scripture that disagrees with Scripture. He is the same. He does not say, hey, you know that whole Jesus thing? Just kidding. 
Heaven, yeah, I mean, we really, you know how hard it is to start something today? We really needed a clincher to kind of get the church moving, so we came up with this heaven thing, but it doesn't really exist. God will never speak to us in a way that contradicts what he has said in Scripture. Yeah, I know you shouldn't lie, cheat, or steal, but we're talking about for the kingdom here, so now it's okay. He'll never contradict himself when he speaks. But how do we know if it's a contradiction if we don't know what he's already said? This is one of the reasons that we just absorb Scripture, even books like Numbers and Deuteronomy, when we're like, ah, I'm... How long is it going to take me to get through this? Lamentations. We're, probably, we're, going to do a, we're going to do a series on lamentations. But we're going to wait till after the pandemic, right? But we're going to do a series on lamentations at some point. And the, the thing is, is this is still God speaking to us. He will never contradict anything that he has said in his word. We may misunderstand his word, by the way. But he will never contradict himself. Which means we have to have a level of discernment. The sermon, interestingly, throughout the Bible is gained by practice. It is gained uh, through prayer. It is gained by the Holy Spirit. We're constantly encouraged to seek discernment. One of the ways we ask those questions, whether we're reading Scripture or we feel like somebody God is whispering into our ear, is God saying this? Or do I just want God to be saying this. Oh, that's so hard. This is why we don't talk about this in the church very often. Because this is so hard. Because there are so many times I can fool myself. Do you ever fool yourself? Now, y'all don't. I do. Well, Renee does. None of the rest of you do. It really was. But she was nodding her head so fiercely. I thought maybe it was not rhetorical. Uh is this consistent with Scripture, what I feel that he's saying? And I know I know they're married, but okay. I, I know that's tech, not technically yours, but I really want you to be happy. And, and, and because I'm gracious and I want you to be happy, I, you can have it. Just don't tell them. I'll take care of it later. Is it consistent with his teachings in Scripture? I would say these same tests are important anytime someone tells you, I've heard from God. I've heard from God. This is what you should do. If it is inconsistent with Scripture, they did not hear from God. But if we ourselves are not hearing from God, when someone stands authoritatively and says they do, we have a tendency to listen to them. Well, if they are, I mean, I'm not, but if they are, because you should be. You're meant to be. God speaks first and primarily through the Bible, but that's not the only way he speaks. This is also the promise in which Jesus makes and the reality that makes following Jesus such a joy and, and how, we, how we make it through pandemics and how we make it through getting laid off and how we make it whenever we're not sure what the next few weeks or the next few months are going to look like or we're watching our savings go down to nothing or now we're wondering how are we going to pay our whatever. Part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to encourage us, teach us, show us, guide us in those moments. John 14, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I know you know this verse, but please don't miss this. He will, 
teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, he's talking to his disciples and they're listening to him. How might we apply that to our lives when we weren't walking at the same time they were and we didn't hear from Jesus to say these things? What is he going to bring remembrance to our ears? It's going to be his word that they kept for us and passed down for us. What does it mean for the Holy Spirit to teach you all things? Do you get up in the morning and go, what is the Holy Spirit going to teach me today? Probably not. But what if you did? What if this wasn't philosophical? What if this wasn't theological? What if this was everyday practice? The Holy Spirit is teaching you. I grew up in a system in which we never talked about the Holy Spirit. In fact, when we did, we called it the Holy Ghost because then that made it a little bit scary and you wouldn't ask a whole lot of questions about it. And he sounds, yeah, dead. That's good. That's a good point. But yet, Scripture is ripe with the work of the Holy Spirit. It's ripe with the work of the Holy Spirit that is not only doing things within you, but lives within you. It is the presence of God that we experience on a regular basis. He teaches us and brings to our members all that he has said. I tell you, this is, this is a difficult part of hearing from God, that question of, is this what God is saying? Is this the Holy Spirit moving me in this direction? Or is this me being selfish? I will tell you, you will never reach a level of spirituality that you don't have those questions at times. The point is not that we never question. The point is that we are always searching for what is he really saying? Is what I feel like he's saying consistent with what I've read about in his word? Maybe I'll explore that. Remember when I first thought about going into ministry, I I did not want to go into ministry. That was not my plan. Um, I talked to... Uh, a good friend of mine, and I said, you know, I just don't, I, I feel like maybe I'm supposed to, but I don't really want to. I've never wanted to. Um, I'm not sure what I should do. I mean, I'm stuck. Like, I, I, I need to move forward in this career path, but um, I'm kind of feeling this over here. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if this is God or if this is just this weird time I'm in. And he said something that was so profound to me. I've never forgotten it, and I've applied it to my life many times since then, and it gave me such courage and hope and, and God's graciousness and faithfulness for someone like me that he would direct me. And he just said, well, if you feel like God is moving this way, uh, then why don't you just try it out and see what happens? <laughs> like, well, that's not how I work. Like, I need a plan. I, I need to know where the end result of this step is going to be. That's not usually how God works. He doesn't show us five steps ahead. He shows us the next step. But in that moment, it was, it was a moment of clarity, which just bleeds into our third way in which we hear from God, which is through other people. There was a moment that everything was just like, <gasps> everything I know about Jesus says that what he just told me is true. Everything I've read about Jesus and the way he works in people's lives, what he just told me has to be true. Like, if I take a step and this is not what he wants, he's going to adjust my step. No, Mark. And, and sometimes I do think maybe he's been trying to say no a long time. That's not a good move for you. But he's not going to 
throw me away if I take a wrong step. And in that moment, this is just another piece of when I believe I hear from God. It is such a profound moment that there is truth wrapped all around it and as if the Holy Spirit is jumping out of my chest saying, this is what I'm saying to you. So I take a step, which led to another step, and another step, and another step. Now, not, God doesn't only speak to people going into ministry. It could be your career that is not in ministry because he's got a plan for you in your job. But there is a moment this... John Piper calls it a ring of truth. And I love that description. A ring of truth in which you can't point to anything. Jesus didn't like show up like a hologram in front of you and he didn't punch you in the back of the head like sometimes we ask him to, but you just in a moment heard something so profound and it everything you've been thinking about and what you've read in Scripture and what you know about God just emerges into a moment in this ring of truth to say, ah, oh, yes. I tell you, those are so profound and so encouraging. I don't play golf anymore, but when I used to, I was not good at it. But you get one good drive, and you're like, I got this. Hey, I'll meet you back here next week, right? So you golfers know what that's like? You know, I've shanked every ball. I've brought two boxes of balls, and I'm leaving with none. I've shanked every ball out here. But I got one good drive on the 18th hole. I'll be back next week. Sometimes that's the way it is when when God does these moments. They're so profound. You can be struggling. You can be in the midst of a pandemic. The world's falling apart. It is coming off the hinges. And God, just in a moment, in a ring of truth, says, I am here. I am with you. You matter to me. I care about your path. Let me tell you how to walk this. And it is so profound that you can put up with a whole lot of stuff because that's the treasure. That's the pearl of great price. God is real. He is involved in my life. He cares about me. Those moments... We tend not to forget those because they do tend to be life-changing. My hope is that you have that type of a moment when you come to faith, although some people come to faith almost reluctantly. A moment when you need clarification on your purpose in life and He just shows up. Just a moment when you're saying, God, I just, oh, I feel so lost and I feel like if I make one misstep here, Everything's going to fall apart. Oh, no, I got you. I got you. Listen, I'm going to make your path straight. And guess what? Some of the steps in which God leads us and some of the things that he speaks to us lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. But we will fear no evil because he is with us. It's amazing when God begins to speak to us. Three, three ways I'm sharing with you today. God's word through the Holy Spirit, through other believers. And this is where other believers are important. Like You need to see some evidence in lives before you just listen to what anybody says. Same thing with, with pastors online, with authors that you read. You, you need to see some evidence that this person is consistently submitting their, themselves to Christ. 
and they're not just a really good speaker saying really good things. Because one of the most popular things to say right now um, to people in churches is to say, God wants you to have everything you want. You cannot read Scripture and believe that. You cannot read Scripture and believe that. God doesn't want us to have everything we want because that's what happens. That's, that's why the world gets off the rails when we get what we want. Oh, I, I love Jim Carrey when he's playing God. And how do I answer everyone's questions? I'll just say yes to everything they want, and the world will just explodes. Oh, that's just got to be true. <laughs> you have to test other believers. Is their counsel trustworthy? I have found when another believer says to you, similar to my friend, whenever I was struggling with what step to take, should I should I take a step towards ministry? The scripture bear out what they're saying. To whatever degree it can. You may be, it may be something that uh, the scripture doesn't have three verses uh, and, a, and a poem that just easily ad- ad- addresses whatever your problem is. But does scripture agree? Is there that ring of truth that within me it says, all of this just, I believe, is true? It's not just me well wishing. There's truth to this. Proverbs 27 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. God always intended for us to encourage each other. Discipleship is a group effort. That is why some of our individualism stunts our spiritual growth, because we were never meant to grow in a vacuum by ourselves. We were meant to grow with other people. You're meant to learn from others while teaching others. Did you know that? We live in such a professional world, we let the professional teachers teach, and yet you miss so much of the the beautiful work of the Holy Spirit in your life when you don't see that God calls all of us to teach in some way. It is a beautiful call that we have in our faith. It is a beautiful call in what he wants to do in our lives. Let me kind of wrap up with this. Whenever I hear from God, me personally, just talking about me, I hope you kind of hear me talking about this ring of truth. It's just like everything comes into alignment. God's word, God's whisper, God's calling, God's purpose as I understand it, just kind of all coalesces into this is not just some random thought. It is a significant word or or a moment. It's not like two weeks later, oh, you know what? I think God said something two weeks ago. I missed it then, but I think maybe he said something back then. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a significant moment when God speaks to us. It doesn't, it doesn't happen every time we want it to. Sometimes it happens when we're not looking for it to. But it is a significant moment. It, it, it reminds us that God is real, which is one of the reasons I believe he does still speak to us. It reminds us that God is real. It reminds us that God does love us. It does remind us that God has a purpose for you and for me, not just a purpose for us, which I do believe that we work out our individual purposes co- collectively as a community. However, God has a purpose for you. You can get lost in the group, and you can believe, well, God cares about you know the church, but, I mean, he doesn't even know who I am. God cares about you. God's invested in you and your purpose. You have a purpose. It reminds us that God is still a God of the supernatural. He can still move mountains, which is important when we hear from God because usually when we hear from God, it involves moving some kind of a mountain. It also propels me to tell others what God has said because it's a significant moment. 
There are different things God tells me. Sometimes God says, Mark, you have messed up. <laughs> Fix it. Sometimes God says, and this is this is something I have I've really grown to treasure, where God says, you are listening, Mark. Good job. You ever have a moment, and I, I'm not saying that God's just a cheerleader, and, and I'm not trying to diminish the words of God, because I think he chooses his words carefully, but there are moments in which I need to know that I am walking the path, and I'm not sure because sometimes the path is hard, and he says, yes, keep going. Oh, thank you, God. Some of the things we've done here at our church lately, in the areas of holiness, God speaks often in the areas of holiness in my life. Mark, you need to, you need to, you need to get with it here. He speaks in the area of justice, which is why justice is a part of what we talk about here. He speaks about justice because justice is important to him. He speaks to us about caring for others, that whisper that says, have you heard from so-and-so? They are hurting and they need an encourager. To share the gospel. And I believe sometimes we hear from God just because God wants to spend time with us, because God loves us. We're part of his family. If I were going to sum all this up, I don't know how easily that is, but if I was going to sum all this up, I would say this. Hearing from God is knowing God's word. If you're not interested in that component, you're not really interested in hearing from God, and it's not that the still, quiet voice isn't trying to speak to you. You will not hear it. Hearing from God is knowing God's word. Hearing from God is knowing God's will. What is God's will for my life? I mean, that is a driving, burning question for so many Christians. What is God's will for my life? And I will just say this is part of the process. It is not like a syllabus you guys got for the first class this week that is going to detail the rest of your life. It is a process of following the next step. Proverbs, Psalms 119, 105, 106. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. So hearing from God is knowing God's word. Hearing from God is knowing God's will. And hearing from God in the bigger picture is discerning God's truth. Determining falseness from truth. And let me leave you with this. I, I, if you are if you are interested, this is there are different um, religious groups that um, make things like hearing from God like a spiritual test. You're not really a good Christian until you've heard from God. A few times. Uh, that's not the way it works with Christ. So. Part of your journey, which is why we call this place Journey, part of your journey is developing this. But if you're in a place and you're like, I'm honestly not sure I've ever heard from God, can I just encourage you that that means you need to spend some significant time in God's Word and you need to spend some significant time quietly just sitting in the presence of God, which is just praying. You can worship alone. You, you, you can do it with your Bible study. Just quietly listening. And you may, you may practice that 
a, a thousand times and maybe maybe once feel like you hear God. Like, there's no pattern for this. I don't know what the equation there is, but I, I'm just saying spend that time and God will begin to speak to you. Listen, know, be confident that he wants to speak to you, and he will. If you're in a moment in which you need an answer right now about something that's happening right now within your life, I know how frustrating that is. And I, I you know, God, God just, he lets me sometimes wallow in those decisions because sometimes the way I work out my salvation is I take what I already know about God and what his purposes are and what he's He's already told me and what, how I know he wants me to live my life. And, and he doesn't really need to say anything. I just have to come to a place where I've wrestled enough with it to say, I submit this to you. I just submit this to you. You've already said what I need to do here. I haven't really wanted to do it. I'm just going to submit to you. But I would encourage you to believe that he wants to speak to you. He wants to say something to you. Your life matters to him. Your path matters to him. He has a way for you. He has a way for all of us through Christ. But he also has a way in which one foot goes in front of the other in this life. I'm telling you, if you take that way, sometimes it will be hard, just like the narrow gate is hard. But it is glorious in which the psalmist says, we will just along the way stop and taste and see that the Lord is good. I'll leave you with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Father, God, I pray for the decisions that need to be made within this room. I pray for uh, decisions about work and about finances, about friendships and relationships. I pray for just a relationship with you. Is that something that someone... Uh, either online or is sitting in the building right now that needs to just make a decision to say, I trust you, I believe you, I know that you love me and you are gracious. Father, I pray that you would speak clearly. But I pray you'd give us ears to hear. I thank you that you are invested in every person that's in this room, every person that's online, every person that has ever existed. You care about them. I pray that we would hear you well. We would follow the path that you have for us wherever it would take us. And I thank you that that journey is never going to end. We will be with you forever in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.